We are here today because we want to worship God. That is the reason why we were created, amen? And we want to live life fully. The last two weeks, uh, three weeks, we've been going into a, a series called The Full Life Series. How many of you have been blessed? Just give me a wave. So far, the last couple of weeks, and I believe that God has spoken to you, has encountered you, has caused a shift in your perspective of how we are to live a full and abundant life in Christ and why that is so different from the life that we find in the world. Amen? If you've been blessed, can you just turn to someone on your right and the left? Just say, I've been blessed. And if you're online, type that in as well. Declare it. I've been blessed. Amen. Amen. Two weeks ago, we talked about the dimension of the Spirit. And we cried out to God to revive our hearts, right? Do you remember that? Last week, we talked about the social dimension. And we learned about how important it is to, to be involved in meaningful community, that we don't need to do this journey alone, that we can have fun with our friends, with our family, you know, as part of that loving community. And today, we're going to be talking about the dimension of the mind, the mention of the mind and our thought life. And our thoughts are so powerful, right? They're able to shape our realities, our decisions, our responses. They're able to shape our outlooks in terms of how we are to journey and walk this journey of faith. And that's why it's so important that we allow God to speak into this area and release His redeemed mind into our thought life. And that's what we're going to be covering today, where our thoughts have the capability to shape our perceptions, our perception of reality. They have the capability to shape our decisions, and they have the capability to shape our destinies. Amen? And even when our belief, our beliefs have such power to them. When we believe in something strongly, it even helps us to reach for it. I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard about the story about the four-minute mile. How many of you heard that? Just put up your hand. You know that for the longest time, four minutes was an unbreakable barrier, the mythical barrier of the four-minute mile, right? And for so many years, every competitor, every runner was not able to run a mile under four minutes. And there was someone that came very close in 1945. His name is Gunder Hag from Sweden. And he managed to run it in four minutes, 1.3 seconds. How close is that, right? And, you know, it was a record that wasn't going to be broken for a long time. Year after year, no one could break it. And in many people's minds, it was impossible to break that time. And then nine years later, along comes a guy called Roger Bannister, all right? And he was competing. And if you read the story, actually, the, the circumstances of that race weren't ideal. You know, they didn't have controlled conditions. It was a very windy day with a lot of crosswinds. It was in the outdoors. And even when you run, the winds are buffeting you. And so no one expected anything. But when he crossed that finish line and the announcement went out of his time, you know, there was an uproar in the whole stadium when the first thing they heard was three minutes, 59.4 seconds. And so he, he was able to break it. And the amazing thing about this is that the moment he broke 
the four-minute mile, it happened again and again. Within two months, it was broken again, and then again, and then again. And up to this point, um, you know, in competitive running comp uh, official competitions, there have been more than 1,400 runners that have broken the four-minute mile and even brought it down far below that point. How amazing is that? The moment people realized that it was possible, the moment they had a vision that it was possible, then they were able to break that record. And now it's become a normal thing for a top competitive runner to be able to break the four-minute mark. So God has given our minds the capacities and the capabilities to, 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 to reach for things to create realities that if we didn't believe, it would take out, you know, that momentum and energy from achieving it. And I want to ask you today, what are some of the things you've been telling yourself as you went into this year, 2022? What are some of the stories that you've been telling yourself? Are you looking at this year with hope or with dread? It's the story that you're telling yourself, you know, Whatever this year brings, I'm ready. Bring it on. Or is the story that you're telling yourself, oh, I can't believe this is happening again. When is this ever going to end? I can't wait until I can get back to living again. And if you tell yourself different stories and narratives, it dramatically impacts on how you live out your journey of faith. As believers, we need to be very careful of the narrative that we build our lives and our decisions and our responses on because it impacts our destinies in Christ. It impacts whether we are moving forwards. It impacts whether we're moving backwards. It impacts whether we are staying stagnant. You know, John Paul Warren says this, belief has the power to change your inner state and your outer world. Believe has the power to change your inner state and your outer world. And today I want to address some of these stories that we tell ourselves. As I was preparing, I, I just was very impressed by God that He wants to speak into some of the stories that we tell, some of the narratives that we base our lives on. He wants to break some wrong mindsets so that we're able to live in freedom and fullness and wholeness, that full and abundant life that He has for us Amen. So today we're going to cover the dimension of the minds. Would you open your hearts and your minds even to ask God, God, what is your perspective? What is your version of the story? What is it you want to say to me today? And I believe that he's going to reveal a revelation over your life, over your story for this season. We're going to turn to the word from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Let's read it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. God bless the reading of His Word. You know, I love the book of Romans. It's such a powerful book. 
And if you study it, the first 11 chapters, you know, focus on the incredible doctrine of the gospel of God's righteousness that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And it covers that theology so beautifully. Then from chapter 12, verse 1 onwards, it begins to talk about practical living, how we are to live in light of the saving power of the gospel, how we're meant to walk out our faith, how we're meant to express our faith. And that's why it starts with therefore. Every time you see this in the Bible, everyone say therefore. You know that it connects to something very important before that. Therefore, now that you know everything that God has done for you, therefore, now that you know of God's great mercy, that's what the verse says, now that you know that, that Jesus has died for you and made a way for you, how are you going to live? This is how you're going to live. Amen? Knowing what God has done for us, receiving the revelation of the saving power of the gospel, our lives can't help but respond and in our behavior, in our transformation, in the fruit of the Spirit that comes out, in the renewal of our minds every day. That's how we show that we have truly received the saving power of the gospel, the understanding, the revelation, and that we've received that for ourselves. And that is important today for us to receive in our minds. And how then should we live? It says this, we need to offer ourselves, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, to be surrendered and submitted to God and know that He is our master and to say, God, I surrender today as a living sacrifice. And how does that obedience look like? Every day we're transformed. Every day we're transformed by the renewal of our minds, by not being conformed to the world, by not being conformed to the patterns of the world, but allowing the Spirit of God to transform us from inside out. Amen? And when we allow our God to renew our minds, what happens is that we, we can begin to tell ourselves a more accurate version of the stories of what we go through. Our perceptions become more aligned, more clear, more powerful, because it enables us to, to align our lives to the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The more we allow God to renew our minds, the more we allow ourselves to be transformed, the more we align our lives to the godly order, the good and pleasing and perfect will that God has determined over our lives. And this process of having our minds renewed is not a once-off thing. Notice that I keep saying daily. Every day, the Spirit of God washes over our minds. We need to be transformed. We need to be renewed. We need to catch His vision. We need to catch His ways, you know. And, and it is a daily thing where our minds are washed by the power of the Spirit. Therefore, it is clear from this passage that the mind is the key to practical Christian living. We receive that understanding. We receive that revelation in our minds. And then we are transformed, you know, daily by the daily renewal of our minds. And that is a powerful concept that I want to focus on today. If you're online, just type in, renew my mind. Renew my mind. You know, I was 
I brought my three children to their vaccinations recently. You know, they're between 5 and 11 years old, so it's their time. And my second daughter, Sam Sam, some of you know her. She's really cute, you know, such, such a gentle heart, the most compassionate heart in the family. You know, that's Sam Sam. And she's terrified, terrified of injections, terrified of needles. I don't know how many of you can relate. Can you just give me a wave if you're scared of needles? Yeah, oh, I see quite a few hands. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be a scary thing, especially for a young child. And so she was scared. And um, every time we bring her for an injection or vaccination, she cries so much. And as parents, it's not easy, you know. We try to bribe her. We try to encourage her. We hug her, you know, the whole night. And we say, don't worry. We're going to be there. We're going to hold your hand throughout. We've tried to threaten her, you know. <laughs> you better get, get there right now. This is good for you, you know. We try everything. After this, let's go for Baskin-Robbins. Yeah, yeah. And no matter what we try, she's... She's so scared, you know, and we brought three of our children for their vaccinations on the first day that it opened up in PWTC. And I just remember this story, right? And we were in line and every part of the process, you know, PWTC, there's wait here, then sit there, then line up here. And it keeps going. Every stage, we're dragging her, okay? She's like sometimes hanging onto my leg. And then I'm looking at all the parents around. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, you know? Ah, oh, Sam, Sam, you know? Let's go. You can do it. I can do it, you know. <laughs> it's not easy. And what made it worse was when it was almost our turn, we were sitting in the final portion where we were seeing people getting vaccinated. The, the child that went before us, oh, started screaming so loud. Like at the top of their lungs, this boy was just screaming for like five minutes, like, you know, terrified. And, and, and the parents looked at each other in the room and laughed nervously. And I looked at the children. They all looked at each other with big eyes like, oh, my gosh. This is a torture room. Our parents have lied to us. Everyone get out. Escape now, now, you know. And it was that challenging. And so we drag her there. My first daughter goes first, Natalie, she's fine. She just says, ouch, okay, and then she goes. And then my youngest daughter, like five years old, she's like a gangster, so she just goes there. She's like, I'm fine, all right? And then the second daughter's like, oh, we drag her there. Don't worry, we're here, we're holding your hands. You know, and she's crying, crying, and she's, <gasps> you know? And then the doctor says, okay, I'm done. And she's like, oh, what? You, you finished already? And she looked at me and she's like, Daddy, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> you know, and so the way that we perceive things, the fears that we carry with us, sometimes has such a, a deep impact, amen. And sometimes the fears that we carry are not, not so accurate. They mislead us. They affect us. You know, and they can cause us to hold back from many important things in our lives. You know, and after my daughter went for that, um, you know, I thought that she would be okay. Um, but she's getting better because we brought her for a normal flu jab, you know, uh, three weeks later. And she was much better. So much better. She didn't even cry while she was getting jabbed. You know, and so when we realize that the stories that we tell ourselves are 
are inaccurate, incomplete, or, or even false, they begin to lose their power over our fears. All right? And so today we want to look at why, why we need a renewed mind as well. Why do we need a renewed mind? We've established that God, the Creator, has created our minds to be this so powerful that it can influence our entire trajectory of life. We, we've established that we need to understand how to, to, to bring our minds under the mind of Christ, right? But why, why do we need a renewed mind? The first reason I want to talk about is this. We need a renewed mind because our minds are fallen. Our minds are fallen. This is important to establish as the foundational reason because we have a sinful nature that is within us that will always resist the supremacy, the sovereignty, the rulership of Christ. No matter what, because since the time of Adam and Eve, when he, you know, the, since the time of the fall of Adam and Eve, we have this sinful nature that we're unable to free ourselves from. No matter how much effort we put in, no matter how much intellect we have, no matter how many solutions we put in place, no matter what our methods are, we cannot bring ourselves the freedom and wholeness from this sinful nature. Only Jesus can. Only what He did on the cross and in His resurrection can. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And so we need to receive that redemption even over our minds through a daily renewal. And this is an important starting point because we've already established how powerful the mind is, and that's how God has created it. And so if we don't anchor it in the right place, if we don't build the right foundation, it's very easy to have our lives head in an, a wrong trajectory especially when we're immersed in the world, which tells us different things with their philosophies and, 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 and their success and the wealth. Everything that they share to you looks very good, looks very attractive. And if we're not careful, we can be pulled under the philosophies of the world. We need to recognize that the mind of Christ always stands in contrast to the wisdom of the world. Amen? The world will, will have so many self-help books and so many motivational speakers that we listen to where it's just trying to get us to, 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 to you know, stir up our excitement and our energy, you know, to, to go in a certain way for, for a certain momentum. The world will, you know, tell us that the solution is found in ourselves rather than in God. The world will tell us that the solution is to believe in something so much that it will come to pass rather than believing in God so much that He will bring about His promises and His plans and His purposes in our life. And so we see the contrast where the world will tell you to have more self-confidence the Bible tells us that our unshakable confidence and trust is in Jesus. Where the world will tell us that, um, <clears throat> that our belief, just believing is the most important factor. The Bible tells us that the object of our belief, Jesus, is the most important part of the process of believing. This is an important thing to catch today. The world will anchor the process of believing on the person, 
how much we believe, how well we believe. But the Word says the place that we put our belief on is the most important thing. Amen? And therefore, it is, as a believer, it's more important in who we believe in than what we believe. Because our belief is, is, is worth nothing if it is not anchored on the right thing. Our belief is not worth anything if it's not anchored on the truth of God. Because we're building on a shaky foundation. So this is something that I hope you catch today in your thoughts and your understanding. Amen? And that's why it says in Romans chapter 8, all right, I'm just going to read this verse that's so powerful and it's going to minister to you. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. The world's greatest thoughts and philosophies will never be able to give you the answers that you need. All the wealth in the world, all the success in the world will not give you the satisfaction and fulfillment that you can only find in Jesus. And this is the first and most important reason why our minds need to be renewed. Because of our sinful nature, we are always in a, in a posture that is hostile to God. We're always in a posture where we're in opposition and tension with God. And so we need to go through this process of renewal. We need to go through this process of surrendering ourselves as a living sacrifice every day, submitting in humility to God and saying, God, I don't know, uh, I don't know what to do, but God, I just look to you because you know everything. And that's why we need to submit our minds under the rulership of God. And it even says in, in the Romans chapter 12 that the re, when we submit like that, when we present ourselves a living sacrifice, that is our true and proper worship. It is worship to God. You know, it is something that gives God all the worth and acknowledges that worth because actually our sinful nature, our first instinct is to worship ourselves and elevate ourselves, elevate our own needs, what we want, the things we want to do, our accomplishments, our achievements. But only God is worthy of all the worship and all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And that process needs a daily renewal of our mind. Can we just type in the chat right now if you're online? God is worthy. The second reason why we need a renewed mind is this. Our minds are limited. Our minds are so limited. Why do we need a renewed mind? Why are we so limited? Is we don't understand so many things. We don't. There's so many things that are unknown. There's so many things that we cannot comprehend. There's no way that our understanding while we're on earth reaches a place of perfection. That privilege is God's alone. And it's not easy for us to acknowledge that we don't know a lot of things sometimes. Actually, this is something that I've had to come face to face with in this season in a very painful way. Actually, to be honest, uh, a few weeks ago, 
I met up with a counselor, you know, to work through some things in my heart. And what she said to me shook me, pierced my heart, and caused me to go through such a season of, of self-reflection. You know, this is what she said. She said, she said, Roger, you're a person that likes to have things figured out. You're a person that likes to, to analyze things and understand the big picture. But I want you to imagine that there are two boxes in your mind. One is known and one is unknown. One is what you have determined to be true and one is what you have determined that you don't know uh, all the answers yet. And she said, maybe you have jumped to conclusions and you have placed too many things from the unknown to the known box. Can you visualize these two boxes today? Known and unknown. And she said, because of your, your need to, to figure things out, you have prematurely moved so many items from the unknown box to the known box, as though you know what's going on, as though you, you can see what's going on, as long as you understand what's going on so that you know how to respond. And she said, maybe you have jumped to so many conclusions, Roger. And that was something that was very difficult for me to to, to, to reflect on because there are some conclusions that I've jumped to in this season that have caused me incredible grief and pain. There's some conclusions that have affected and determined the way I respond to people and walk out my journey of faith as a minister. And so this was such an important mindset shift for me. Because I was filling in all the gaps of, of information with my own thoughts, with my own conclusions, with my own analysis. And all these things were not necessarily what was actually going on. I don't know if anyone else has done that. You know, our minds fill in gaps very, very quickly. When we look at an optical illusion, right? You will fill in so many things. You will see shapes and lines and things that are not there because Naturally, our minds will fill in those gaps because that's how God created us, you know, so that we can try to make sense of what we're going through and what we see. And apparently, this process of making the linkages happens as fast as a blink of an eye. That is the natural wiring of our brain. I'm going to show up something fun today. All right? Oh, okay. <laughs> whether you're online, whether you're in the hall, can you just read this? Okay. And give me, put up your hand if you're able to read the whole sentence. Okay? Okay, very quickly, like the whole room has put up your hand. And this, this spelling of this sentence, there's so miss, many missing things. It's spelled worse than my youngest daughter spells it. Okay? And, um, and this shows how our brains work. We're constantly filling in the gaps. We're constantly, you know, trying to make sense of things. We're trying to, always trying to make, sh uh, make sure that we feel like we're in control, that we understand how things are happening, that we have the perfect response, that we can formulate how to, you know, make our decisions so well. And, and that is the nature, you know, that sometimes God has placed within us. But as I went through this session with this counselor, they she pulled me out from that and said, Roger, you need to take a step back. You need to stop filling in the gaps. She said, you're used to putting 80% into the known box. 
you're, you're used to putting 80% in the truth box. What you know, if you feel is the truth. And 20% in the unknown. But in this season, what if with the facts that you have, with the versions of the stories you have heard, you should only put 20% in the known box and 80% in the unknown box. It sounds simple, but I, I can't even tell you what a painful process that was to begin to let go and put the things that I had put in the known box in the unknown box. Heart-wrenching because it requires me to confront so many things that I don't want to admit to myself. It, it requires me to confront that I need to feel like I'm in control, that I need to feel like I understand what's going around me so that I can formulate the perfect response. It requires me to confront my pride and just say, to be able to say, God, I, I don't know anything. I don't know what to do anymore. And this is how my prayers have sounded during this, this, this season. God, I don't know what to do. I've got no more solutions or ideas. I don't understand what's going on. God, would you take over? Would you take over? And it was such a difficult prayer and process to go through, especially in this season of the pandemic, it's so much more unknowns than knowns. There's so much more uncertainties than certainties. We don't know what variant is going to come out. We don't know, you know, where, what the case is going to be tomorrow. We don't know, you know, what, what, thing, what, what SOPs are going to be in place. And it keeps changing and changing. We don't know whether our children can still keep going to school. The situations keep changing and we don't even know the certainties that we can hold on to anymore. And that's a very difficult thing to let go of. But maybe God is telling us today to let go and just trust in Him. Because where we don't know, God is all-knowing. Where we are limited, God is unlimited. Where we are insufficient, God is more than sufficient. And all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. That's why we can look to Him, the one who has perfect knowledge, the one who has perfect understanding, the one who has perfect timing. This is the God we look to when we don't know. Can we just type in right now, even when we don't know, God knows. Even when we don't know, God knows. And in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says this, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. We can't understand it, but we can trust Him because we know that He is a loving God. And maybe that needs to be enough for this season. The final reason of why we need a renewed mind is because our minds are inherently irrational, illogical. And this is another humbling thing to recognize because we like to think of ourselves as very intellectual and logical beings. But God didn't create us to be robots. He gave us emotions and feelings. He allowed us to experience things in so many different ways. And like I shared just now with the optical illusions, many times we see things that are not there. 
We're not fully rational, and we need to accept that. In fact, many of our thoughts, most of our thoughts are subconscious rather than conscious. And if you study it, it's a very fascinating topic because the things that we pay attention to repeatedly, the things that we give our attention and our affections to repeatedly begin to rewire our brains and our neurological pathways to be conditioned to respond in certain ways, to be conditioned to react in certain ways. And when we allow that conditioning to happen, many times it takes it out of intentional active decision-making. If most of our thoughts are subconscious, it comes from the conditioning of what we give our attention and our affection to. Amen? And so, this is a key reason why we, we need to, for our minds to be renewed daily. Because we're, like we mentioned before, we're immersed in the world with so many attractive philosophies and worldviews and mindsets that look so, so attractive, so tempting, especially when it's shared by someone in a position of power and success and wealth. And so it's so easy for us to be to be pulled in that direction. And without realizing it, we can easily conform to the patterns of the world instead of being transformed by the rhythms of grace. Let me repeat that. If we're not careful, we can easily conform to the patterns of the world instead of being transformed by the rhythms of grace, that revelation of the saving power of Jesus and what He did. That is the basis of our transformation. That is the basis of what we can do to stand firm against the pressure to conform to the patterns of the world. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If we're not careful, our hearts can be so easily deceived by the world, by our emotions, by the circumstances we face, by the voices that we listen to, by the stories that we tell ourselves. And so what are some of the stories you tell yourself today? I'm just going to list a few, and then you can see which ones you relate to. Is that okay? All right. One of the common stories is this, the everyone's life is better than me story. How many of you have experienced that before? Yeah? And many times, even if we haven't actively said that story to ourselves, when we immerse ourselves in social media and we see the lives that people have and what they show, many times inadvertently we begin comparing. And so this one is also called the Instagram story. Do you get it? <laughs> Never mind. If you didn't, you know, jokes aside, it is important that we stop comparing because it robs the joy that God has in store for us. How about this story? Especially for the younger generation now who is working. This is what, as a young adult pastor, I hear a lot of the time, and they say, this is, I'm an imposter story. Have you heard of the imposter story? Where even when they feel they're actually capable and qualified and intelligent, they are hit with this intense self-doubt, this feeling of inadequacy, incompetence, and they feel like they have to fake every day when they go to work because they feel like at any point someone's going to find them out that they don't know what they're doing. The no one loves me story. 
Actually, for some of us, it's like, forget love. No one even likes me story, all right? And sometimes I feel this when I, when I send out a message to a WhatsApp group and nobody responds. <laughs> and I turn to my wife and I'm like, I think no one likes me, you know? Actually, I think they hate my guts. That's why no one's answering. You know, how many of you experienced that? You send out a message and there's like no response and you thought it was so funny and so interesting. <laughs> and they were like, nah, not worth my time, not worth my response. How about the nothing will ever work out for me story? Nothing good will ever happen to me. So what's the point of even trying? What's the point of trying to reach my dreams? For some of us, you know, there's this story where we tell ourselves, maybe I can't give my heart to anyone because he's just going to break my heart. I'll never be able to fully trust anyone. There are many stories we tell ourselves that God wants to break and minister to today. You know, growing up, I told myself some very flawed stories as well. Let me just share a quick story before I end. When I was six months old, I was sent to live with another family. My both my parents were busy working and my grandma was already taking care of four grandchildren, my two older sisters and my two cousins who were older than me. And so she couldn't handle one more and so they, they sent me to live with a relative very far away. It was like four hours drive. So I was very far away from my family in my, in my childhood growing up. And, and somehow, the family that I, I, I grew up with, I, I love them, I still love them today. But uh, because they wanted me so much to be part of their family, they started to tell me things that, that they didn't know would cause me so much damage. They kept telling me, your own family doesn't love you, so we love you. Your own family doesn't want you, and that's why we accept you. And I grew up feeling like such an outcast in my own family. I can't tell you how deep that pain was growing up my childhood just feeling that I didn't belong in my family. So difficult. And that was a story that held my life captive. And I remember when I was 18 years old, I went for a discipleship camp. They had a program called Father Heart of God. And the Father's heart met me at the altar at that camp. Brought me back to some of the, my most hurtful memories. Gave me healing. And I went home from that camp. I sat my parents down and I said, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for the way I've acted throughout my childhood. I was such a rebellious child. I was so difficult to raise. Forgive me. Forgive me. And I told them what I had heard growing up from this other family. And my parents still so teared. And they said, we didn't know. Roger was so sorry. And so I made some progress in my healing for this. Me and my parents are now so close. Me and my mom are like best friends now. 
You know, we used to be like oil and water. But even in the recent season, God brought me back to that healing again. And he said, Roger, I'm not done with you yet. Do you realize some of the things in your life today, how much you need to be heard, how much you need to belong, how much you need to be valued, still comes from that narrative in your childhood. You're desperate for a place to belong. You're desperate for a family that will hear you out and say that your words and your heart has value. And so it's something I'm working through today as well. As I preach this sermon, in fact, I'm preaching to myself. I'm working through every part of it. And in humility, I'm, I'm just confessing it before you. I believe that the Father's heart is here today. He wants to break flawed mindsets. He wants to break broken stories. He wants to break false narratives because they hold power over our lives. They hold power over our decisions. They hold power over our destinies. And I just feel the fire of the heart of God is here today. And He's saying, I want to set you free. He's saying, I want to set you free. And as I was preparing last night, I changed the end of my, my sharing. I want to end on this verse. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For you don't, did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Father is here today to minister to you. What stories have you been telling yourself that need to be changed, edited by the Master, rewritten by the hand of the Father? Can everyone stand today? We're going to respond to the Spirit of God. We're not going to have an altar call where you come to the front, don't worry. But wherever you are, if you feel the Spirit of God nudging your heart right now, just put up your hand. No pastors looking around. This is between you and God. If you're at home streaming in as well, you can lift your hands in response. Just saying, Father, that's me. There's some stories that I've been so afraid to confront and change. But I don't want to be stuck in this narrative. I don't want to be stuck in this cycle again and again. I want to move forward with you. I want to move forward with the mind of Christ. Between you and God, just lift your hands right now. And God sees that response. I'm going to release a prayer of blessing and breakthrough right now. 
as you lift your hands, and then we're going to respond with a worship song before we end the service. Let's just lift our hands and close our eyes right now. Father God, we thank you that we can call you Abba, Father. That is the basis of our breakthrough. God, even though the greatest gift is salvation, the greatest privilege is adoption. Adoption to be your child when we didn't deserve it, when nothing that we did could make you love us more or deserve it. Oh God, we come to you as a child, not because we have done anything, but because your Father's heart and love has reached down to us when we didn't deserve it. So God, we bring every flawed mindset, we bring every broken story, we bring every false and misleading narrative and lay it at your feet. Would you touch it? Would you bring your healing that only you can bring? Nothing in the world can heal us but the saving power of Jesus Christ. Redeem our minds. Redeem our thoughts. Help us to take every thought captive for Christ, oh Lord. Help us to have the mind of Christ so that we're able to resist the philosophies of the world. God, we want to rely on you alone. We don't want confidence in ourselves. We want confidence in your spirit and what you're doing within us. So God, we surrender today. We present ourselves as living sacrifices, wholly submitted, wholly surrendered as our proper worship to you. It's so that we can worship you. It's so that we can align to the reason why you created us, to be a worshiper of the Most High God. And we want to worship with truth and with all our hearts and our spirits, oh God. So let your healing work minister to every individual that has responded today, whether in the hall or whether on the live stream. Bring supernatural breakthrough. Pour out your agape, perfect Father's love over our hearts so that we can be made whole and free to live a full and abundant life in you. No other way, no other method but to turn to you and call you Abba, Father. So take over. Have your way. Thank you for calling us precious to you. Thank you for holding our hearts in your hands and calling us beloved. So God, even as we respond with a worship song, let your spirit do a deeper work in our hearts. We thank you. We commit this into your hands. We seal it by the precious blood of the Lamb. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just go into a worship.